Just a two-hour train ride from London takes you to a world apart. Rugged mountains and coastlines, crumbling castles galore, and a language that sounds like nothing else on earth. I'm talking about whales, of course, and we're joined now by tour guide and Welshman Martin Delandovitz to discuss the unique pleasures of a weekend getaway to his home turf in Wales. Martin, every time you join us, it's like a quick trip to Wales. Thanks so much for being here again. Thank you, Rick. It's always a pleasure. Millions of people go to England. It's one of the most popular destinations in Europe, and a lot of them neglect to even consider Wales, and that's what I want to talk about right now. Martin, talk just about the practicalities. If you're going to Stratford for your Shakespeare fix, if you're going to the Cotswolds, if you're going to London, how tough is it to get to Wales? It's very easy. I mean, traveling within Wales from north to south isn't that good. Basically, if you want to do it by train, you have to go into England and go south in England and then go back into Wales. But Mm -hmm. traveling from England, let's say, you have the M4 that goes straight into Wales from London. Mm -hmm. And in the north, you have uh, what is beautifully known as the A55 Expressway. And you have trains that go in, you have buses that go in. It's very easy and quick to get into Wales from the south of England or indeed from the north. So in the south, you've got Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales and was an industri- has long been an industrial base, so it would be logical that it has a good infrastructure connection with yeah. London. And then in the north, before the age of affordable airfare, it was just the highway to Dublin, and Dublin yes. was yeah. the second city of the British Empire, mm. and the big road and all the fancy bridges had to go through Wales to get you from London over to Dublin. Yes, yes. Talk about the infrastructure of, of empire in the north of Wales. Well, in the north, we had uh, the railways came boom, back in the um, 1850s. George and Robert Stevenson, the father and son, the, the fathers of the railway. So the railway came before the road was improved, and now we have the, the road. Thomas Telford, again in the 1850s, built the, um, the A5 that linked London to Hollyhead, the port from which you travel to Dublin, yes. And that bridge is incredible. The, the, the Chain Suspension Bridge, is, yeah. isn't it beautiful? It yes. connects Wales with Holyhead, the island. Yeah, the, yeah. the island of Anglesey. And yeah. It's a marvel of engineering, yes. Along the way, you've got Llandudlo, uh, which was an escape for working-class people, sort of a, yeah. the Blackpool of Wales. Well, Llandudno, I've got to say, is different to Blackpool, and I'm not denigrating Blackpool in the least, in that Llandudno has kept itself genteel. It doesn't have amusement arcades. It is genteel. It is genteel. I've been to both. And I got to say, I always wanted people to go to Blackpool in England because it's earthy, it's unpretentious, it's it's sort of like Coney Island. Yes, yes. But now it's become, to me, almost depressing. It's just low class. It's crude. A bunch of hen parties and stag parties and drunk young people throwing up. And I just thought, these are people who can't afford to fly to southern Spain. But it is cheaper to go to Spain than it is to go to Blackpool. It's cheaper now to go it's to cheap. Spain. So maybe the Blackpool cheap. is struggling. So that's the, sort of the Coney Island and the unfortunate today. But when we think of the Coney Island of Wales, Llandudlo, it does have that gentility. It, it, yes, it's avoided that. And I'm not saying it's tried to avoid, but it's kept itself genteel. And it's a nice resort people... Still walk. There's still a band that plays on the promenade. It has the great open. It has a lot of attraction. You have the long pier? Yeah. And this was in a day when people wanted to go to sea, but they really didn't want to get on a boat, I think. And you yeah. could just walk out there and be at sea. You could feel the fresh air. I think doctors would prescribe a little fresh sea breeze. Absolutely. And uh, North Wales prospered from that. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Martin Delandovitz, and we're talking about Wales and how important it is to side trip from England and be sure you spend some time in Wales. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Sue is calling in from Lombard in Illinois. Sue, thanks for your call. Thanks, Rick. 
I traveled to Wales years ago and was able to take the Brit Rail into Cardiff, but I noticed train service is not what it once was. So how easy would it be to get to a place like St. David's or Fishguard from Cardiff without having a car? So those are the far southwest tip of Wales, right, beyond Cardiff? Yes, it's a beautiful coastline there. Right. Well, Fishguard is quite easy to get to. It goes by train. And the key to traveling in Wales is always get yourself a timetable. Don't just turn up and hope a train or a bus is going to turn mm. up. Uh, get yourself a timetable, and then travel is very, very easy. Out to St. David's, you're looking more at bus to get into St. David's itself. But it's a trip very well worth making. Of all the four cathedral cities of Wales, the traditional four cathedral cities, St. David's is, I think, mm. the outstanding church. Beautiful. So are you planning a trip there? We plan on going back to Wales uh, in 2016. Have you been to North and South? I, I've been to Clendudno and I've been to Langothlin, but those have been actually on bus tours. I actually did St. David's many, many years ago uh, using Brit Rail train tabs, and then we hiked the coast path down there. Oh, lovely. You know, for years I was always going from London to Ireland, and it was a beautiful excuse to enjoy a little bit of Wales on the way. And uh, now when people go to Ireland from London, they fly because it's actually cheaper than taking the train or the bus. Consequently, fewer people are crossing Wales in order to get to Dublin. And that means we have to make a point to go to Wales. And I would imagine that's changed tourism a little bit in Wales. It has and it hasn't. But I I do think um, a trip to Wales is well worthwhile. We've just been talking now about St. David's, the whole of that South Wales coastal Mm -hmm. strip and a goodly bit inland. There's some wonderful things to see. I mean, the coast itself is beautiful, but the countryside... How, how would you characterize the difference? Because I've always thought the north is the most interesting. It's got the most sightseeing. Mm. Is there more drama in the south? Is there more uh, scenery? Or what distinguishes the south from the north? How would you choose if you only have three days and you want to do one or the other? Oh, gosh. I really couldn't answer that properly. This, the north is noted for its, its majestic castles built at the order of Edward I and for its rugged mountains, Mm. and for its beautiful coastline. Now, the south is much more gentle. Mm. It fell prey to Norman invasion before the north, Ah. uh, because the land is better. They wanted it more. So it's more more. civilized. It is more gentle. More gentle. More gentle. (laughs) And so what you see down there is richer. The land is richer than is that of North Wales. That's interesting. Now that you mention it, that does make sense. It's more developed as the Normans incorporated the South into their realm more than the North. Is that the idea? Yes. All yes, right. they did. But there was more to gain, and so they took it yeah. faster. And the wealth of the land is seen in what's there. Sue, thanks for your call. Thank you, Rick and Martin. Thank you. Thank you. Tessa's calling in from Portland in Oregon. Tessa, thanks for your call. Oh, thanks so much. Um, I was a part of a Fulbright teacher exchange two school years ago and lived in Northern England, and during all of the half-term holidays and end-of-term holidays, uh, one of my girlfriends and I took off on road trips, and so we did a one-week road trip to Wales for the May half-term holiday and absolutely fell in love with it. What did you like so much about it? Oh, my gosh, it's just beautiful. We started in the south, and then we went and pretty much camped out in Snowdonia National Park for four days, and took off and did little side trips, and we saw forests, and we went through... We actually took the train up Snowden um, and went to the top, which was phenomenal. Just the whole view going up was amazing, and then getting to the top of the mountain and just seeing the countryside and seeing all the way to the sea was breathtaking. And the waterfalls were phenomenal as well, just to see the beauty and the majesty. And every single day we went to 
Swallow Falls, and every day the water level was a little bit different depending on if it had rained a little or a lot the night before, and so each day we went and visited it in the morning before we took off, and um, it looked different every day. What was your home base when you were touring in the north of Wales? <laughs> I can't really pronounce this, but I think it's called Betty Zikoet. Betzelsakoid. You did pretty good, Tessa. Oh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, Martin, in, in Welsh. Betzelsakoid. What does that mean? It means the chapel or oratory in the trees. A chapel in the trees. Isn't that a charming little town, Tessa? Oh, it's lovely. We stayed at the little B&B just off of the main road, and everyone was super friendly and lovely. And Hey, Tessa, describe the uh, train ride up to the, the highest point in Wales, the top of Mount Snowdon. So much fun. Um, I think it's an old coal train, and so you're being pushed instead of being pulled, which was an experience in and of itself. And going up and seeing, you know, starting out with the trees and the hills, and then mm. as you go up, you start to lose the trees, but you start to see all the hikers. And if we had had more time, we would have absolutely hiked it, but that's quite a feat. <laughs> and then just going up and seeing little streams coming down. and It's a joyful thing, isn't it? It's a tiny little engine, a steam engine, and it's just chugging and chugging and huffing and puffing, and then you get to this wonderful king-of-the-mountain feeling on the summit, and you get a commanding 360-degree view of northern Wales. Yeah, it was amazing. And we had, when we got to the top, it was completely covered in cloud. So you stepped oh, no. off the train into a cloud, and uh, then it suddenly broke. And oh, it broke saw. open. Good. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> so now, Tessa, there's a lot of castles in the north of Wales. It's famous for its, what's it called, the Ring of Iron, uh, Edward I. Yeah, yeah. uh, you know, that's how the English had their foothold in north, uh, north Wales. And I'm always reminding myself, these are not Welsh castles. These are English castles built to keep the Welsh people down. What castle did you enjoy of all the castles in the north? Well, I love them all, but my favorite has to be Penryn Castle, hmm. um, if I'm saying that right. <laughs> I've not been to that one. Why was that so good? I mean, just the people always are, of course, very lovely and everywhere you go. But we had some really great guides who were just stationed in different parts, and they told us a lot of the stories. And so we had, from the moment we bought our tickets at the door to the moment we left, we got stories left and right about why the castle was important and little details about the people who live there and they also have a um, ghost walk at night, which was great fun. Just it, it was very campy and fun and silly, but we got to go around at night with candles. And... I like those ghost walks. I mean, they are campy and fun, but it's entertainment, you know, and it's something fun to do for an hour and a half after dinner or whatever. Don't you think the guides in those castles bring the castles to life? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. They are not paid enough. <laughs> I just appreciate so much the guides in the castles, and I would just stress anybody going to these castles Anywhere in the British Isles, if there are local tours, Martin, don't they usually post when the tours are going to be? Yes, they do, yeah. yeah. And it would be included in the cost of the castle a lot of times? Sometimes is, sometimes isn't, but, yeah. um, but I think it, it's it worth it while. to life. Well, it, it not only brings it to life, you know, you, you can buy a guidebook. Now, walking around a castle with a guidebook, uh, you can't ask guidebook questions. Right. And yeah. if you read a book and walk around a castle, you're going to fall over. Plus, you guides are full of stories. They exactly. bring it to life. It's just hard to imagine what it was like living a thousand years ago in that castle. Yes. Hey, Tessa, thanks for your call. Thank you both, and thanks, Martin, for being such a great guide. Thank you, Tessa. Happy travels. Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Martin Delandovitz. We're talking about Wales. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Damon's on the phone from Scottsdale in Arizona. Damon, thanks for your call. Yeah, uh, we're planning a trip to Cardiff for the uh, Doctor Who experience, and there's right. a BBC studio tour that's involved. Do you recommend making Cardiff the home base for trips to other parts of Wales? I'm thinking of just using mass transit to get away or uh, to make around Wales. Um, any advice you can offer would be great. Right, Cardiff is a wonderful city, uh, but don't forget it is a city. Now, not that far from Cardiff, you, you can go to, uh, oh gosh, Newport, beyond Newport. 
Caerleon, as they say down there. Uh, C-A-E-R-L-E-O-N. It's a nice, quiet little town. It has Roman remains in it and so on. Um, Cardiff, yes, don't get me wrong, I think it's a wonderful city, but maybe a little further out of town is easier for you to, more relaxing possibly, than staying in the city. But Cardiff itself has an awful lot to offer. Cardiff uh, is a sort of a industrial age city, right? Yes and no. I mean, it, it was a coal port. I mean, South Wales right. prospered from coal, from iron, from steel, but uh, the Marcus of Butte in his day became the richest man in the world, and that was his port, Cardiff. But today it is the capital of Wales, and the architecture of the 19th century, the civic buildings in the centre, I, I think it's architecture, a lovely place. And yes, you can strike out from Cardiff and visit much of South I Wales. think it's worth a little time, but but I don't think it's one of the great cities in the British Isles. I would say from Cardiff, you can side trip. There's Tintern Abbey, there's Tintern, Carefully yeah. Castle, St. Fagan's uh, National History Museum. Absolutely. Talk marvelous. about St. Fagan's, because I love these cultural open-air folk museums. That's right. I mean, the idea originated uh, in Sweden in the right. early 20th century. And what they do is they take buildings representative of the local building style of each part of Wales, literally take them apart and reassemble them at uh, St. Fagan's. So you have the architectural history of the whole of Wales represented there on one side, and I love going to that place. They teach Welsh culture so well. I remember you've got these row houses where the mine workers That's right, would, yes. And you've got these humble little two up and two down, isn't that a word, where mm. you have four rooms in the house and yes. two little rooms in the basement and uh, on the ground floor and two rooms upstairs, and they have like six of them in a row, and then each one is furnished in a different generation over the course of 100 years. Yes. Here's 1880, here's 1900, 1920, 1940, yes. and 1960. Yes. This is at St. Fagan's. So, you know, Damon, when you go to Cardiff, to me that's the number one side trip is to go to the uh, National Museum just out of outside of town, St. Fagan's. I mean, you mentioned Chepstow Castle and Tintern Abbey. I think Chepstow is one of the great castles of Britain. It's the oldest stone-built castle in Britain. Wow. I know. That's something. That's something. And Tintern Abbey is a very uh, romantic place, too, with its literary history. Yeah, it was Wordsworth and uh, Turner's painting. It's so much evocative history right that's there. Beautiful. in the, That's the southeast of Wales. Damon, you mentioned you're going to the Doctor Who experience. Exactly what do you expect to uh, enjoy there? Well, there's uh, studio set tours. Um, there's also some exhibitions. It's really for the kids. Uh, they want to go see uh, all things related to Doctor Who, and that seems to be the center of all of it. And where's that going to be? I think the Doctor Who experience, what I can tell is it faces the harbor. There's an actual building. In Cardiff. The, the, in Cardiff. The, the biggest so, yeah. city in Wales on the south coast, yeah. All right. Hey, well, that sounds like a fun uh, experience for the whole family. Thanks for the advice. All right. Have a good time. Thanks. Jason's on the line from Austin in Texas. Jason, thanks for your call. Uh, hi, Rick. You're the best. Um, appreciate the opportunity to ask a question. Thanks. Um, so my question is, I often hear uh, jabs made uh, at the Welsh by uh, the Brits, and, you know, not being from over there, I have no idea what the basis for that is, if there is any basis, or if it's just, uh, you know, something that's been passed down and no one knows why anymore. So um, any insight on that would be uh, great. (laughs) Martin, defend yourself against these rude Englishmen that don't appreciate the Welsh. What are they complaining about? I don't know. Difference. Did you, did you know that Wales, this, this, is, this is the truth, Jason, Wales is in fact a Germanic word. And uh, you've got it in Walloon, you've got it in Wallachia, right. you've got it in Walnut, you've got it, and it means foreigner. So the Welsh oh. were never understood linguistically. They were different from the Anglo-Saxons. They were foreigners. So that uh, people are frightened of things they don't understand, which is why education is such a wonderful thing. 
So the poor Anglo-Saxons didn't understand the Welsh, they were frightened of them. They had mountains, they had rain and they had wind, and so the Welsh there, horrible. But, do you know, um, I'm going to say this, and I'm sure that people in Wales and uh, in Scotland will uh, disagree possibly, but I'm going to say it's a family. Great Britain is a family, and like in all families, you get to, let's say that family arguments or family differences are amongst the most bitter, and so that that may be the reason for it. And it's most of it's good-natured. I mean, were I to say to you, Jason, why do they bury English people 12 feet down? And the answer is because deep down they're really nice people. Uh, one could see that as being <laughs> racist. But in fact, it's just a bit of, you know, a slight dig in the ribs. And and most of it uh, gets down to that. And the stories you hear about sheep aren't true. It is, <laughs> it, it, no, no, it is true that we have the greatest uh, sheep-to-people ratio in Europe. And yes, yes, uh, sheep are a great export from Wales, but uh, all the other stories aren't true. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> there you go, Jason. Thanks for your call. And now we better understand the Welsh vis-a-vis uh, -vis the English. All right, wonderful. Thank you for your time. You bet. So, Martin, thank you so much for setting us straight on a few of these issues about Wales. I'm just so charmed uh, and in, sort of inspired by the Welsh language and the, just the love of the culture that shows itself through the language. I, I know in, in heaven they speak Welsh, don't they? That, that is, is, is said to be the language of heaven, but I, I'm sure a few other languages are spoken there too. Can we just close this interview if you can give us some sort of a blessing uh, in, your, in your native language? A blessing? Well, I'll, I'll give you a, a welcome. Do ensure us in the Gymru? So come to Wales because it's a beautiful place where there'll be a great welcome for you. And I can assure our listeners they will enjoy that beautiful, warm Welsh welcome. Martin Delandovitz, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Rick. Each year, Rick Steves' tour guides take free-spirited travellers on escorted tours through England, Scotland, Ireland and beyond, one small group at a time. This year we're featuring tours of the best of Ireland, the best of Scotland, the best of England and London. For a free catalogue and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com.